Hi folks. Um, let's see, what have I got here? Um, uh, content warning. Uh, we do talk about hurricanes in the Southwest, uh, Texas area. We talk a little bit about sexism in this episode and, uh, that's, um, it's about where we are. Uh, so yeah, the next warning is we have animals, one of whom is giving me the stink eye, mostly because he's only got one eye to use. And that right? Say, oh no, now, now he's looking at the little plush hey hey I have on my desk. I don't know if it's jealousy or what. Yes, Sergey, I'm talking about you. Animals interrupt us. Yes, Hound has decided right now is when Hound needs petting. Well, yeah. Yes, and, that's uh, right. This often leads to the third warning, which is we swear a lot. Although generally not at Hound. Not at Hound. Sergey, on the other hand. Yes. Yes. Oh, shit, you know your own name. Alrighty. No, leave that alone. Don't, don't do that. Um, hi, folks. Welcome to Productivity Alchemy episode 241. I have an interview with uh, Gail Goddard, the Clutter Fairy, uh, a little later on. Man, I had so much fun uh, talking to Gail. I cannot wait to share it. It was just a joy. Um, yeah, so uh, excited about sharing that with you. Um, hey, hey. Uh, also, I guess we are preparing for our trip, which means both of us have our own little anxieties to deal with. Oh, yeah, I had a major, like, everything will go wrong, and I have gotten the wrong things, and the paperwork will be filled out wrong, and all shall despair, and they won't let us on... And yeah, it's... Yeah, it's I'm, I'm starting to do the I'm packing my bag in my head three times, which is about normal, but, uh... Since I also have other things that are due not just before, but at this particular event, uh, I, that's been taking up a lot of my headspace too. And the, uh, what if I do this wrong? What if this is boring? Um, you know, that sort of thing. Indeed. The sort of thing that, that will drive you mad if you dwell on it. And yet I'm still getting as best I can work done. Um, I will admit I fell into one of my annual rabbit holes this past weekend, and that is the handling of email um, with the goal of being able to collect my email, read things, respond to them, but not actually have to be online except for the actual I'm going to get email and I'm going to have all of the email I wrote be sent and then I'm going to like disconnect. That is because we're going to be places where internet may be spotty, internet may be expensive, and I, you know, want to be able to just be like, yeah, okay, here we go, signing on, downloading everything, uploading what needs to be uploaded, disconnect, next kind of situation. Um, plus, that's much more efficient than sitting there online and just scrolling through emails and waiting for it to go and talk to a server and come back and go. Like, I am frustrated by our inability to use these things anymore without literally being connected to the internet. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I miss, in some respects, I miss the dial-up bulletin board days where we had programs that sole purpose was to log on to a bulletin board, download everything, upload all your responses, and then just hang it up. And then you could read at your leisure instead of like this whole, I'm online, therefore I must do the thing now. 
or I'm capable of doing the thing at any time, so I do it at all the time. Hey, yeah, I mean, games that uh, will now you can't play unless your console is talking to the internet are. Yeah. They, they were a whole thing a little while ago, and then I think we just acknowledged the ship had sailed. Yeah, it's it's a thing that that is is sort of required. Um, so and it's annoying for a lot of things. Oh yeah. Um, especially if you're like, I really want to take this game on the road with me, but it turns out the game doesn't function unless you're actively connected to the internet. And you're like, well, then what's the fucking point of having a mobile game system? I'm looking at you, Nintendo. Is, is something on your Switch not willing to... I, I think there are a couple things that they've come out with. Like, um, I'm not sure, but I think the um, Sega Genesis emulator that they recently released for free. But it, I think it may require me to be online all the time. And I'm using it. And the I know it requires the Nintendo Online subscription. Um and then the uh, the N64 emulator that's included with the expansion pass, which I upgraded our family membership to include, may also do the same thing. But uh, of other things, like new games coming out, I think it was... Um, they're doing a Final Fantasy... Com- or not Final Fantasy, a Kingdom Hearts complete. Every single Kingdom Hearts game in a single bundle. One, two, three, and all the little in-betweens. But it's online only. What do you think, Hound? So I'm a little like I'm a little like how what, um, so it it makes me it makes me a little grumpy because uh, there are uh, we've been places where we have absolutely zero connectivity, which means there are literally useful things or even entertaining things we could be doing except we're offline. Yeah, you know. No, I, I am I am have been careful to go through and the the books that I have picked up for the trip I am like hitting download download. Oh download, yeah, download, oh know? yeah, yeah. Like, Hound, I love you, but you're um, just standing there with your 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 head on my chest, gazing at me adoringly, and it's it's yeah. Yes, I love you, Hound. Yeah, Everyone the, loves Hound. The only anxiety left is. Um, is, you know, something will happen and we will not be allowed to go on the trip at the last possible moment. It's like the only anxiety I have left at this point. Oh, wow, I envy you. Yeah. I'm going to, I I mean, that's the anxiety I have, but it's going to roll through until Friday. Right, right, until things actually Yeah, I anticipate not actually sleeping Thursday night because I'll be afraid we won't get to the airport on time. Yeah. That's uh, that's fair. That's fair. I'm I'm probably going to take my Thursday night pills extra early so that I do sleep. Hound, beautiful um, hound. So, but yeah, that's that's kind of where we're at. Like, I'm being somewhat productive for work. A lot of things aren't happening, or I'm easily distracted. Um, I was doing great today. I got a whole ton of edits. Oh yeah, done. I yeah. am nearly done editing this this horror novel. And Word decided to screw me over. Microsoft Word oh God. decided yeah. what I wanted in life was something called Modern Comments, which is the their latest like thing. Okay, it's not like it was a thing in like 2021. Yeah. But I never update anything until the until it tells you you do this or it stops working. Exactly. So I finally yeah. updated it because it was do it or it stops working. 
and they have completely changed how comments work and made them horrible. Oh, so they, so what, like Google document comments? Uh. So it's a little thread off to the side, but. Uh, no, I mean. You'll it, have to show me. Yeah, it basically they turned, they made it act like the Acrobat. I don't know what the the Acrobat comments. I never they seen They used those, to be yeah. like on a the the sidebar, right. Where all of your other edits showed up, like right, so. Right. If you had, you know, um, uh, let's say I, I deleted a line and wrote a different line in, it would have on the sidebar where you're where it tracks the changes. It would have, you know, uh, the old line, you know, deleted X line, and. Then it, uh, if I put in a comment saying, I think this line works better. Right. Uh, there, the comment used to just be there with the, on the sidebar. Okay. I think this works better. Now there is a separate comment pane and all you get in the, the, uh, the document itself is a little comments icon. And to <sighs> locate the comments pane, you have to like, go through and dig things up. So the width of the screen now matters because oh. they added it like another two, because normally the reviewing pane is right. set automatically like three and a half inches wide or whatever. Yeah. Like some percentage of screen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which if you happen to be looking at the print at 150% so you can read it more easily, yeah. there is now on my laptop, you can't see the reviewing pane. There's literally not enough space. On the, the screen width. So I had to go in, alter the... Uh, first, I had to go in and find turn off modern comments. Right. Which is yeah. a function in the, the uh, uh, like, preferences okay. that they don't make it easy to find. Of course not. Well, none of the settings the preferences are easy to find. Yeah, and, uh, and all the stuff online is like, this is only temporary and you will not be able to keep using this forever. I'm like, fuck you. But clicking right? turn off modern comments does not make it revert back to the normal way, which would have been sensible. Oh? No, they're still in a separate pane. They still aren't going to show up on the side where they were. Right. But it turns off the bit where uh, you, like, comment owners, you know, you can at people through the the thing. Oh, and God. if you do, and, and, and it, your comment won't go live until you tell, until you hit post. And if you don't save it, when you get out of it, it just deletes the whole comment. Oh. And apparently, if you use the at function, it emails the people you have added, which meant that, for example, if I was editing a manuscript with, say, a hundred comments from my editor, if I was oh. fool enough to use that or allow it to be used, they would receive 100 emails every time I responded to a comment, even if it was yes or I think you're right. This functionality only makes sense in context of Office Online and not for a standalone disconnected ding, 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 thingamajuber. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. Yes. This, uh, yeah, and um, everyone hates it. Like, oh, this yeah. is the least popular thing I think they have ever done. The it, Once you look up, the message boards are furious about it. And are, it is just hundreds of comments of people saying, what the fuck? Don't do this. And so right. Word put out a, we put out a thing. And what we've heard is this. 
that you, you know, that there's some problems with readability on the screen and whatnot. Yeah. They didn't say they fixed it or any of that. They're just, this is what we've heard you say. So thank <sighs> you for reiterating our complaints and not addressing them. Now, this all apparently mostly went down like August of last year. But like I said, <laughs> I don't update shit. Right. Uh, and, and, and you are allergic, mostly because of uh, because they don't. They hadn't in the past done this sort of editing ability on Office Online. Right? Like, you were specifically told, don't open this in Office, in Microsoft Word 365 Online, on the web Oh, yeah, interface. no, 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 yeah. you can't, you don't open those on a web file because it fucks everything over. Right. Yeah, uh, no, right. if you're in the, the publishing industry, at least, uh, the publishing house, I'm with, they're like, do not attempt to work in your web interface on that because nothing saves correctly and it will screw everything up. Right. I mean, and bear in mind, this is... Now, it, it would a lot of tech people who listen to this podcast are now yelling one of three things, which is, why aren't you using Scrivener, LibreOffice... Right. Or, you know, anything else. And the answer is because the publisher uses Word, full stop. Right. This is, this, this is the exact reason why people used WordPerfect for years and why I think George Martin still does is because that's what publishers use. Yes. And it didn't matter what else was out there. It had to be WordPerfect. Yeah, yeah. Well, in this case, Microsoft Word. And now, now the follow-up is probably, well, you can just write in this and then, you know, convert it. Yes, I could, but that wouldn't fix anything with the comments because those are what I get from my editor. Right. The other follow-up to that is, shut up, I didn't ask you for advice. I'm venting. <laughs> and the, right. yeah, and uh, the third is, well, the publisher should change. <laughs> well, the publisher does it this way because this is what the book printer wants. This manuscript yes. that we are working on will literally at some point go to a person who makes, who puts it into a gigantic ass machine that is run by proprietary software that prints a physical book page. They can't just change because they are bound by the printer's proprietary software, which works yep. with Word, because yes. Word was the standard forever. Or in so. particularly horrific circumstances, PDFs. We all hate PDFs. Yes, and some of these will eventually go to PDF. Uh, I think a lot of these actually do go to PDF eventually. And but... ebook and all the ebook formats, all the ebook co converters work off that manuscript. Yes. So basically, uh, this is a lot of. I, is this a definition of technical debt, or is this, this an is, example? This is. Um, there are, are two pieces to this. One is technical debt in that um, the software is very expensive to upgrade at the you know, there's a lot of work that went into designing that software that works with the printers, and so they don't want to spend the time and money to update all of that, right? right? So that is known technical debt, right? The other is that uh, somewhere there is somebody who says, that costs too much money. And so, no, you are not allowed to do that. And in fairness... Book publishers are not fabulously wealthy. Like, I know no. there is this belief that they must be fa incredibly wealthy things, but as businesses go, they actually run on pretty razor margins. Yeah. Uh, largely because uh, bookstores 
convinced them to take return deals that no one on earth would have ever taken uh, if there were if bookstores were not a, you know the only way to sell your books. Right. Uh, so that is reserve against returns, which we won't get into at all. Which is a whole other yeah, which pain is like in ten the ass. other yeah. episodes. But uh, the, the yeah, this is a lot of of budget and technical debt, and editors are very nice people who know how a book should read, not necessarily people who are. You're talking about disrupting the workflow yeah. by changing the programs yeah, yeah. of of thousands of people, including authors. And believe me, authors tend to get stuck on this is the way we write and we only write with this. Yeah. There are authors out there who have mostly died, but who would only work on one model of typewriter and they could not write on another thing. Yeah. I am, as writers go, a remarkably tech-savvy and flexible author. Yeah, no. I can write in the notes app if I have to. I mean, I I know what other people use to write at this point, at least several writers. Like I know um John Scalzi, he uses Google Docs and then exports to Word because that's what the publisher wants and then all the edits and the rest of it happen in Word. Right. I think um Charlie Strauss has written a blog post several years ago about why you need to shut the fuck up about use something other than word that explains all of this in, in, in much, much more, better, in right. much clearer and technical language. Yes. He was one of us. Oh like, yeah. Yeah. Charlie was a sysadmin. He was one of us. So don't, you know, don't God, I hope I can get him on the show someday. Um, but, uh, yeah. but you know, that's, that's the thing from a, from a technical standpoint, this isn't something that has a technical solution. This is something that has a system. This is a systematic problem that only something like the adoption of, oh, I don't know, uh, a new way of doing things that breaks everybody's workflow will do anything to push any changes. Yeah, and and you know the workflow is is again very critical. Yeah. And this it's like I would never update uh uh painter painter the word pro the art program I you I did all the, the kids books in uh, and digger and digger until I was uh between books because I knew as soon as I did it it would break my workflow. And even if it's just two or three extra clicks per thing I having to relearn it so it becomes a hindbrained function because I'm doing this for literally hours every day. Oh yeah. Is I mean even adding two clicks is a terrifying amount of extra labor. Uh, yeah, know, kind yeah. Of thing when you actually do the math of how many times I would do that, you know. The the I I seem to recall that you kept your old, cranky windows nearly full, just barely chugging along. I keep it as a monument uh, right in front of you, actually, on that shelf. Um, oh, yes. That, that to be, like, until you absolutely had to change machines. I, I think, yeah, uh, it, was, it was not until I could... Uh, I and I had to wait till Digger was done. Yeah, basically. To yeah, I think uh, it was 2011 before you could switch fully over because we had the other Mac. Yeah, and you were using it into except for a couple things, and one of them I think was Digger because of that steep learning curve. And in fact, as I recall, we had an emulator on the Mac. Oh yeah, that would allow me to use the old 
version of painter so oh, yeah. that I could do. Yeah, it was. Uh, and I mean, I wish I was more flexible. I wish that I could just look at the new way that this is gone and be like, oh, of course, my brain is already adapted to it just, you know, in five minutes. Yeah. But, but yeah. I'm not. And like this, this is, yeah, it's. Uh, and there's, yeah. there's, I mean, uh, there is. Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to say this and you can tell me if I'm wrong or we just need to edit this out, but there is almost an ableist attitude in it in that it expects you to have things at a certain size no matter how big or small. Oh yes, yes. And so you you like No, that is 100% ableist and you know what? What? You can't change the font size in the comments. You what? Comments are the size of comments. You cannot alter the font uh, size. No, because look, I, I'm... Look, I'm 51. I now, uh, until I get new glasses, I am sort of, you know, how I know it's time to get new glasses, I'm starting to adjust the font sizes, like the zoom on my displays so that I can make things bigger until I can get new glasses and then make them smaller again. Oh, yeah. And saying that... No, that's one of the the big complaints people oh. have had. Is, uh, uh, yeah, uh, and and no, that is also the problem I am running into. I have to have the the text at one hundred and fifty percent to be able to read it, which means that there is not enough space on my laptop screen to fit. On the on the other bars. hand, I'm sure if we had gotten you the sixteen inch laptop instead of the eleven inch laptop, it would probably be fine. Didn't they stop making the eleven inch laptop after I got one or something? No. Okay. No. Good. They they no that you have the current unless they announce a new one next month. Oh shit. Later this month, you have the current model. They do not make anything like yeah. Oh right, uh, Kevin. One of the 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 things yes. that Kevin does is that is the sweetest thing ever. <laughs> is that when I mean I if I upgrade, it's it's I'm already like so traumatized oh and out of my comfort zone that he does all the migrations yeah. and everything yeah. of the the space and. Yeah. He one of the the kindest things that I still remember was when I switched from my to the Mac from my venerable PC. Yes. He uh he put my old desktop background on there. Oh yeah. And I was like, "Oh, okay, this is a familiar point. Okay, this is okay. We can work with this." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so in since I have been, you know, Mac only for quite a while, the migrations are not as painful because I don't see them because not 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 really not yeah because yeah. everything is still at the same in the same like place and Kevin yeah. and like switches my background and stuff. It it uh, thinking of new machines, the machine I record on just locked up and like very hard so uh we we had to stop mid rant which may actually be a good thing because we're like almost 25 minutes into this episode now yes we should stop anyway yeah, but... uh the yes i had forgotten incidentally that uh, the reason i have a new laptop is because of the bit where my old one um kept heating up so much i would have to put it in the freezer at the coffee shop yeah which I am told was not optimal. No, not optimal. No, that's that's why I had them replace my uh, my work laptop as well. I'll I'll show you what what happens over time before it. Lets... Oh, you showed me the gal the the battery swelling thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, anyway, 
yeah, so anyway, I have this great interview. Uh, it, it was so much fun that uh, it, it, it feels funny to be talking about, you know, in that, in essence, we're talking about decluttering and chores and, and keeping organized, but we still had so much fun. Um, I can't wait. Um, actually, you get to hear it uh, in just a moment. Uh, Gail Goddard, the Clutter Fairy, who was recommended by one of our listeners, um, was so kind to come on the show and tell us about how she stays productive and helps other people out too. And we'll have that for you right after this. Here today, I'm really excited about this. By the way, I'm here today with Gail Goddard, who is like sort of famous in the organizing world, (laughs) and so I'm really excited about this today. And she's going to talk about how she stays productive. Um, Gail, can you do a significantly better job than I just did introducing yourself and tell a little bit about what you do? That was funny. Thank you. <laughs> a good way to start the show with a little laugh. Uh, my name is Gail Goddard, and my business is The Clutter Fairy. I operate out of Houston, Texas. I'm a certified professional organizer, which means that I've done a whole bunch of client hours and taken a test, and then I maintain it with a CEUs just like a CPA, a CPA would. Um, I offer professional organizing services in person, uh, mostly in a res- residential setting. I also do virtual organizing, so I do online appointments with people to uh, talk with them about their project um, over Zoom, mostly. Mm-hmm. And um, I also have a podcast of my own, Clutter Free Weekly. And the Clutter Free Weekly happens every Tuesday at uh, noon central time. And then we record those shows, and then they get posted up into YouTube. So I have a big YouTube channel with all the all of the recordings of me chatting over the last <laughs> long time, many years. So there's a yeah, lot of, you yeah. can listen to me blather about organizing for hours on end if you want. <laughs> I, I, I'm looking at the approach of, of episode 250, which would mean the end of year five. Right. And it's just mind blowing. So yeah. Right. I, that, I that hear you can maintain it every week for five years. It's, it's shocking, isn't it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Cool. So I'm sure there's a lot more going on and we'll, I'm sure we'll get into that with all, with everything in your life going on. How do you keep organized and, you know, find the time to do the things you need to do, not just for your customers, but for yourself. So most of my life runs by the time blocks on a Google calendar. So it's the most generic thing, but I really <laughs> am good with setting appointment time. So I have specific times every day when mm-hmm. I see clients and you can work with me from 10 to one or two to five. And those are your options. 
<laughs> I don't move them around. I don't alter start time. Mm-hmm. These are my blocks. If you want to work, this is when they are. And um, I block everything onto the calendar because it's a visual way for me to see it. And mm-hmm. because I am, I can get it on the phone and pull it up and look at it anywhere. I know where I'm going, what's coming up next. And it, that to me is sort of a, a logical and a visual way for me to stay on task. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. Good notifications in Google oh, Calendar. Yeah. They remind you all the time. And so if I miss something, it's because I'm just being real, real stupid that day. <laughs> it's not because the system blew up. It's because I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm not looking at you right now. And that's mm-hmm. how I fail. <laughs> yeah, nope. Nope, I'm I'm very familiar. It's like I have a, a recurring meeting for uh, 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 an org I work with, and if for some reason it doesn't show up on my calendar that day or I don't get the notification, I'm like, well, I missed this week's call. Oh, dear. Oh, you know, dear. it's not a critical thing, but it's like, oops. So, yeah. Well, and, you know, mm-hmm. because I'm working with clients who typically are not organized, <laughs> right. Like that's why they call right. me. So it behooves me to be organized about their appointments. Uh, right. I have only uh, a few times right. in my career, like gone to the wrong. Like one day I had it in my head that I was going to client A and I actually went. I was supposed to be at client B's house. And so I went to the wrong person's house one day. That was that was a surprise. <laughs> that's a little embarrassing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, it, you know, it has only happened a few times where I've just like completely missed. Oh, yeah, I was supposed to go to somebody's house for an assessment or something. And as an organizer, there is some negative reinforcement with um, offering yourself as an organizer and then failing to be organized is definitely motivating. (laughs) So (laughs) I do my best to stay on top of that kind of stuff for my clients. Do you have any um, any other tools you use, like uh, anything for like uh, logging or journaling or. Dear God, I have recently adopted the. uh, Forte Labs para method for organizing folders in email and disk drives yeah. and things like that. Mm. So, yeah, anything like that? So I'm thinking of, um, you know, I work out of Dropbox and store a lot of stuff in Dropbox, but then yeah. um, I also have a wiki and um, my mm-hmm. uh, co-host of the podcast and my web graphics guy, we mm-hmm. have all of sort of the history and data about the Cutterfree in our wiki. Mm-hmm. And uh, we both go in and out of that thing and operate out of there all the time. And so that has been just to have a collective uh, platform for the two of us to to work on the same kind of Mm -hmm. stuff together um, has been it has worked for us. We've been um, collaborating on this for almost 15 years now. So it's worked for us really well. Yeah, you're you're uh, you're right up there with uh you're, that's that's practically legend of podcasting time periods. Uh, oh well, yeah, and see, we started the <laughs> the podcast actually. The weekly podcast started like December of 2019, so right before okay. the pandemic rolled up. So we were a couple months into weeklies when everything shut down. So we were just accidentally mm-hmm. in the right place at the right time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we had been prior to that. I had been doing a meetup group, and we had been recording mm-hmm. monthly meetings. And that all those recordings had gone into the um, into the YouTube channel. So um, it went live when we were starting to transition to uh, from doing them in person with a live audience to doing them online. And then um, we made the shift to doing it weekly. And and here we are now I'm doing it weekly. 
Um, and, and it's been an interesting shift because I've been watching, uh, at least through through the interviews and the talks I've done, I've been watching people's organization and habits change um, from late nineteen late 19 late 2019 <laughs> to now there's there's definitely a, it's been fascinating to see how people have been adapting and changing to fit um the current situation so and i could tell that a live audience was particularly in houston after the big hurricane that came through and oh yeah flooded everything so badly uh, that people were kind of trapped in their homes when Harvey went through and everybody was digging oh, yeah. their house out and it changed everybody's focus about going out and being in meetings and joining groups. Mm-hmm. Like nobody had time for that. And so uh, we shifted to online partially because I wanted to share uh, globally the, the right. message basically. Um, and because we could see a change in, how people were going about interactions. They were not doing mm-hmm. it as much in person anymore. And um, I, it worked out great. And we have a much, yeah. I was surprised by how quickly the podcast caught on in terms <laughs> of audience and downloads. It's been quite busy and brisk and shocking. <laughs> so, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's been really great. And, and, um, and in the end, whoever's listening, then I just, you know, I get to share the message with the broader audience. And so that part has been really wonderful. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cool. No, don't, don't flip back. And Kat, don't you come help me with my, I, my I was here. seeing, I was just seeing the shadow across the back of the little cat ears going, there must be a cat somewhere. Near there are, <laughs> there are it's four. It's not just me. <laughs> yeah. There, there are four cats in this house. That was, uh, that's, Aww. that's Shaw. His, his brother Hi, Hobbs is, here somewhere. Hey, buddy. Yeah, there he is. There he is. Hi, Shaw. For a minute. There you go. Say hi. Oh, what a cutie pie. Hello, darling. He's maybe 18. No, is he 18 months old now? Um, Oh, he's a baby. Yeah, we rescued him from a a property that we're renting out to a farmer. um, Oh. In the middle of 2020, like right when I needed a kitten. So (laughs) he and his brother. Oh, that's wonderful. That's super supportive. Okay, now I have to ask, any pets on your end? or? Yes, I, I have Houston. two cats, Frankie uh-huh. and Cookie. <laughs> uh, they're about six years old. One of them is a Flame Point Siamese. One of them is a oh. long-haired orange tabby. And they are, you know, big and sassy and my sweet little boys. That's that's, that's yeah. my collection. <laughs> <laughs> so so no livestock? Sorry, I keep No kicking, livestock. So I have to ask, you know. <laughs> No, I'm in town. I don't have any livestock in my part of town. I have friends, you know. I can take you to somebody's house that has some chickens and horses, but I can't do it at my house. One of my, one of my coworkers lives um, just outside of Houston, and he would go out on his back porch, and I guess there were some either neighborhood chickens or whatever in his part of town and like he's just like checks this out and there's this rooster walking through his backyard and i'm like dude <laughs> so that's crazy right <laughs> yeah oh yeah but after after something like i know um after katrina uh yeah. and probably after harvey you know a lot of these um, a lot of animals stranded stranded 
Yeah, um, uh, New Orleans has this incredible feral cat population now. Mm. Um, that, uh, like, at night you can see them gathering in some of the parks when there aren't people around just killing, because that's what cats do. Um, but apparently they've also now got feral chickens because of wow. <laughs> more thing. Yeah. That is a yeah. little weird. How amazing. Yeah. I think there was lots of livestock that, uh, you know, got separated from their original situation yep. during that. Yeah. <clears throat> I agree. Yeah, we, we had a, <laughs> uh, when Fran, I think Fran was the last really big storm we had here. I'm in North Carolina. Oh, gotcha. Um, yeah. And, uh, I know down East where all the hog farms are, it was a big problem, uh, because, you know, a hundred hogs get out, you got to get them back because you don't want a, a herd of a hundred hogs running around. No, you do not. No. <laughs> <laughs> I would not want to see that coming down my street. Thank you. Nope. <laughs> How funny. That's yeah. crazy. Um, so cool. Uh, other than tools in keeping yourself organized, do you have any systems or habits that you are, uh, are fond of? So uh, like I said earlier, um, Time blocking is really, really works for me. Blocking out spots on the calendar is one that works really well. And I will say that the other one is that I, I like reading before I go to bed and making sure I sleep. Oh, yeah. And I'm a big night owl. And so it's easy for me to try to stay awake way past when it makes sense. But I have learned in my old age – <laughs> getting a new a good night's sleep will do way more than almost anything to keep you functioning well and making good decisions and making good choices. And you know, if you start the day four pints low, you're you're already in trouble before you even have gotten going. And so, mm-hmm. I think uh, you know, sleep is a big one. I try really hard to get to bed at generally the same time every night and mm-hmm. out, allow myself half an hour, an hour to read and recuperate, and, you know, rest my brain a little bit and uh, so that I can sleep well. And that has uh, served me well, actually. From old um, habits of staying up until three o'clock in the morning because I'm so entertained or I'm stuck in the front of the yep. television I'm, or I'm stressed out or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I've particularly when I'm really, really stressed. Oh, yeah. Going to sleep is the best medicine. I tend to want to stay up or eat or both, but going to sleep is the better medicine. <laughs> mm-hmm. <coughs> do you, uh, do you, yeah. Do you use anything to track your sleep? I found that's been really helpful for me. Actually, uh, yes, I have a Fitbit and I have been um, tracking it through the Fitbit and it's fascinating to see, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you wake up a lot or that last night was a good night's sleep or it was not good night's sleep. Yeah, you yeah. had problems last night. And it helps me know I probably shouldn't take on this project today because I probably don't have mm-hmm. good resources for it today. And and that's like I can't not bring it for a client, but I can't go to a client and then go to another client and then come home and expect to get a bunch of stuff done if I haven't right. had a good night's sleep the night before. Yeah, as um as we've been calling it, I mean you're we've we've been shifting away from spoon theory because spoons is very I guess if you're not a if you're an able-bodied person, it's very ableist to use that term. Um, we've been using spell slots from from D and D, whereas you have so many per day, then you rest, then you get them all back. Right. But it could be a short rest or a long rest. So yeah, if I, I 
and when you don't get that full rest, you don't have your full contingent of, of, of spell slots, as it were, in air quotes. <laughs> right? Well, and I yeah. think it, it affects your emotions as well. There's so mm-hmm. much of a, a emotion regulation that is impacted by your ability to sleep. And oh, yeah. if you if you wake up short, then mm-hmm. it's going to be hard. Like what I do every day is so um, it, there's a lot of emotion around helping people go through their stuff, helping them face what is scaring them, helping them uh, imagine a plan in a situation that's really overwhelming. And I'm the one that has to drive the appointment and manage their right. emotions and help them mm-hmm. make movement and if I'm doing that when the tank is low, you know, I, I am not providing the best service to the client. And if it's really yeah. low, then maybe I'm losing empathy or I'm losing compassion or, I'm, you know, like I'm yeah. I can be um, not being the supportive person that I'm hoping to be in that, in that moment, you know, and it's not because of anything that they're doing. It's because. My, you know, my tank is low. My energy level is bad. And so sleep is a big one for me. Yeah. And I I guess this is this is uh, an interesting side in that you are actively taking on the emotional labor of your clients in some cases. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. In my field, something we try to keep women from doing. I'm trying, you know, I'm like, no, you don't need to do that for me or my team. You, you're the only woman on this team. I want you here as a technical person. I don't need you to do the emotional labor for the team, right? Whereas this is this is like literally part of the job. It's true. And I think that when people call me, they think they're calling me to get organized, and they are. But mm-hmm. part of why they're struggling with getting organized is because their emotions around the stuff, whether it just be I'm super overwhelmed, I can't imagine managing a project this big, or these are these things are my mother's and they remind me of her, or I just got divorced and I'm still mad and irritated and everything in this house reminds me of my ex. And there's always an emotional part of the job that comes with, okay, we're going to move the stuff around, but you're going to cry at some point. <laughs> So I tell people, I don't know when you're going to cry. I just know you're going to cry at some point and don't worry about it. It's all part of the job. Yep. And I do have to be um, making space for that, watching for the signals of that, Mm -hmm. uh, being aware that they are now starting to struggle and fight as we're talking about what are we going to do with this, you know, pair of blue jeans or this photograph or this teddy bear. And, and I have to catch on to, yeah, she's struggling with this. There's a there's a story under here that we have to unpack before we can move on right. and make a decision. And and I do spend a lot of time doing that. It's true. It's a big part of my job. Uh, then uh, hats off, um, because <laughs> that is that is a lot of work. It is a lot of work, and but it is the yeah. it is why it's appealing to me as well. Mm-hmm. Like it's why I like helping people get past those kind of roadblocks. Mm-hmm. And be able to reclaim a space that they feel comfortable in and not intimidated by or overwhelmed by. Okay. And I get yeah. a big, you know, I get a big kick out of helping somebody do that work. And so, but it takes a lot of energy and it takes mm-hmm. a lot of my focus. And oh yeah, after three hours, I'm tired of you know, working <laughs> with that one client. I'm like, you know, I'm drained out. And so I better have good sleep and I better know mm-hmm. where I'm going. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> get on to the next one, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least take and and I I noticed that the way you you talked about how you time block your time for for clients that you do leave a a nice big gap in there in between the morning and the afternoon clients that I am sure is not just I'm going to eat, but you you need recovery time. Right? I do, and I'm in the car and I'm yeah. driving, and so then I'm. I'm not talking for an hour. I am just, you know, zoning out while I drive to the next place. And it allows me a little downtime to sort of reset and and shed off the last work to go to the next person. And, you know, some days are harder than others. Some people are in more distress than others. Uh, You know, sometimes it's a real easy day and sometimes it's a real taxing day. But I know it's going to be worse no matter what if I haven't slept, which is where we started oh, this yeah. conversation. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Right? That's that's totally so, true for me. Yeah, so that that sort of rolls right into the next the next thing we want to talk about, um, which is what does a typical day look like? I mean, we know you've got those two blocks of time where you're working and the rest time. We know when you go to we know when you go to sleep. Roughly, I mean, not an exact time, but we get the idea. Uh, right. What, what about the, you know, the morning routine, the evening routine? What, how does, how does that flow? So I am much, like I said, I'm much more of a night owl. So for mm-hmm. me, paying attention to what I'm going to do tomorrow is something mm-hmm. I do tonight. Okay. So I make sure that I am checking the calendar, seeing who the uh, clients are. Uh, then, then that means I have some idea of what the job is going to be, um, mm-hmm. how much driving I'm going to be doing, that kind of stuff. I can adjust my morning start time based on I need 30 minutes to get there. No, I'm going to need 45 minutes to get there for this. Right. So I can make sure that the alarm is set to accommodate mm-hmm. the travel time. And um, that uh, that makes me more comfortable when I go to bed that I know mm-hmm where my day is starting because when I get up, I'm like not, I'm the night owl trying to get up in the morning and you know, my brain is not working at great speed at that point. (laughs) And I have to go get my coffee and I have to ease into my day. And if Mm -hmm. there is a whole lot going on in the morning, I have morning friends who are morning people and they get up and they do like three hours of work before they go to their first client and they start at six or five or whatever. I could not make my brain function at that point. So that work I'm doing the night before to get ready. And then I get up and I have, I got to get dressed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I got to have a shower, get dressed. I need to have something to eat and I need to be out by a specific time. And so everything better, better be ready to go before I start that day. I have learned this after vast experience. There's going to be emergencies with my clients. And so I have learned that I can't just rely on what showed up last night. I have to get up in the morning and before I start running around, I need to check my text messages. I need to check my email and I Mm -hmm. need to check my voicemail to make sure that there's not a fire drill that has been brewing with a client and they're canceling (laughs) the appointment. Like one time I got a phone call and she left a voicemail and she said, so I'm going into labor, and so I can't have you come over today. <laughs> yeah, that one's <laughs> like, fair. That one's fair. Yeah, yeah I, no. I get it. I get it. Okay. Because I don't want to get up and pretend like the day is still the same according to what I thought it was going to be last night and mm. then drive to a client's house only to pull up and realize that they've already sent me a text message and said, 
my kid is sick. Please don't come. I don't want you to get sick, whatever. And so I don't dig deep in the morning into all of that. I don't go down the email rabbit hole. I don't go down Mm. into all of the, you know, messaging at that point, but I go looking for emergency notices. Yeah. So that I don't drive across town for no good reason. Yeah. 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 And so I say I do that a little bit in the morning and I do uh, I make sure I know what's going on the night before. I actively go and open the calendar and look around and see who's going and where are they and what how much time do I need and blah, blah, blah. And um, and then, uh, you know, every day I know I'm going to be at somebody's house at 10 o'clock in the morning and I'll be yep. leaving somebody's house at five o'clock in the Houston traffic. So. I'm really um, sorry. I've been in that traffic. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's much worse. Driving to clients in the morning, I'm, you know, I'm out after the rush hour, but I come out oh. with, at the rush hour like everybody else. And so yeah. then I just, you know, make my way home. And again, it's it's a drive in the car and it's some decompression time. And I can just sort of, you know, leave that client behind and process what it was like. And if it was really bad, I might make a phone call. And say, oh, my God, you won't believe. Right. One of my uh, trusted uh, advisors and friends, I will call and say, you will not believe what happened today. And that also allows me to process it and let it go. Mm -hmm. And then I'm on to the next day. Off to the next one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I really my whole my my business day is focused on clients, except on Tuesdays when I do the podcast. And um the other kind of work that I do today. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Cause it's Tuesday, right? Right. Exactly. And the, um, the evenings are when I do admin work, mm-hmm. all the things you have to do to run the business. I do that stuff at night. Occasionally I'll have a bigger project and I'll need daytime work for it, but mostly I can maintain sort of the nuts and bolts running of the business by handling it at night after dinner. Yeah. Which is when I'm, you know, like I, after I've rested a little bit, that's when I'm productive. You know, yeah, it's I'm funny. Um, yeah, everybody, everybody sort of has their own productive time, and knowing when that is, and I've had this discussion with a couple of people, is really important. Um, mm-hmm. You're a night person. Uh, I actually am a middle of the afternoon person. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm going to be working on, I'm I'm in IT in my day job, so if I'm going to be working on code or something that requires a lot of focus, I know I need to do it like in that block. Just after lunch and, uh, you know, before the afternoon West Coast meetings kick in. Mm-hmm. Because that's when I'm, I'm, I'm in top shape. Um, and then there's the, you know, you have to get up at five every morning and get going and, and you could get so much done. And I'm like, no, I can't. That no, is a I've no. Tried. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that is a no for me times a hundred mm-hmm. that, you know, I, it was the same when I was in school. I barely mm-hmm. made it to, I never had an eight o'clock class in college. I barely made it to the <laughs> nine o'clock classes. It, it's just not who I am. And so I have my morning friends, they just laugh at me. And like I said, they get up at six 30 and they do all that administrative work which before, you know, nine o'clock yeah, yeah. and then they're tired. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm just barely getting in motion at that time. We all have our sweet spot, right? Yep. Oh Yeah. Oh, yeah, we will not talk about my wife, the author's, you know, she gets up around 11, and I've been up since the dogs got me up, When or the dog, dog now, dog. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've been up since the dog got me up at, like, 7.30, 8 o'clock. She's like, you're such a morning person. I'm like, not by choice. 
not that is my a choice. pet thing. That is not. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, and then uh, does this leave any room for hobbies in there or? Uh, it does, but how I yeah. have to do that is I take off day. So I'm a beater okay. by fun. Um, I do this kind of bead work like oh, this necklace yeah. I have on. And so I'm doing that kind of crafty stuff. And so, and I have a collection of friends that I do it with. And so we go to retreats. And so I take off four or five days to go to a retreat. And mm. then I'm off a hundred percent to go do that with them. Yeah. And, um, and then uh, we, you know, we do on a weekend, mm-hmm. a Saturday or Sunday, we'll get together and, and meet and play together for the day. And I find those things very refreshing and recuperating because it is so different. Yeah. To sit there with a needle and thread and beads and stitch on something. And what you focus on there is completely different from when I'm in, when I'm actively managing somebody's emotions and moving stuff around in there. It's just a total different part of my brain. And so it really is restful and restorative to me to do that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Every time somebody says, well, aren't chickens dirty and smelly? I'm like, not if you upkeep. And But that's the thing. It's like I can take a Saturday and I can be like, okay, today is clean the coop day. And I know that it will start. This is what has to be done. It'll be done. And I can just focus on that. I don't have to worry about distractions unless one of the chickens is feeling pushy and wants mealworms right now. But, I mean... But but there's this great satisfaction in that whole, I can let myself go into a space and just, it is, I'm starting a thing, I'm doing a thing, I'm finishing a thing that has absolutely nothing to do with my day job. Yes. Yeah. And also has a, um, like what I do, BD, I've been doing it for so mm-hmm. long that I really don't have to struggle to do it. It's not mm-hmm. something that I have to work really hard at. So it's very relaxing to me. You know, if I'm mad at it, it's because, oh, I don't like how that lay down or I don't like that <laughs> color. You know, it's like the things right. that I get, you know, twitched about are color and spacing and design <laughs> related, mm-hmm. you know. It's, it's, and so it's a completely different headspace and it is very relaxing. Yeah. And I find that because I like my job so much. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to take time off. It's yeah. e- let me restate that. It's easy for me to work too much or too long with clients without a break. And yes. that's how I trip myself up. I love my job. I love dealing with my clients every day. I love what I do. And so you always think, therefore, I must, the more I do it, the happier I will be. And the truth is there is a limit. Because I run Mm -hmm. out of energy and emotional steam and capacity, and I need to reset to be able to keep doing what I love to do. And I learned that the hard way early on um, by getting to busy season and booking back-to-back appointments and not having a single day off for, you know, 30 days or 45 days. And then I'm getting to the end of the 45 days, and I'm looking at a client, and I'm like, why are you keeping that? That's just stupid. (laughs) (laughs) And then going, Oh, mm-hmm. clearly you're losing your compassion and empathy because you yep. have stretched yourself too thin. And so it is part of my concept of self-care mm-hmm. to take that break and go do something creative so that I don't burn myself out on my clients. Yes. And as as someone who I was talking to, uh, I was talking to my manager mm. um, 
earlier today and, and uh, she has just pushed herself to the absolute limit. And, you know, uh, and I've been there. I've pushed myself to that limit. I've, I think I've burned out three times in my career now because I didn't learn the first two times, apparently. Oh, um, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's it's a it's a thing and people don't realize how easy it is to do and how hard it is if you push it to that absolute burnt crispy stage to recover from it it is um, true yeah it's totally true um, and th- and then it it defeats the whole purpose and i've mm-hmm. been in that place a few times where i've thought i really need to do more and then but no because your returns are now diminishing you're not mm-hmm. in a good place. You're not providing good product. What you're doing is taking 50 times longer than it should because you yep. keep pushing the limit. And so you're just, you're like an overloaded train car that just gets slower and slower and mm-hmm. slower and slower and slower. And people don't recognize that diminishing returns are not still returns. They're really kind of shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah. And the, there's also a physical toll. Like what, what, you know, when we talk about that slowing down, well, yeah, that's one of the things that that train car is doing. It's heavier. It's not rated for that. It's starting to wear out the wheels faster and the axles and the tracks even. You're, you're literally damaging your body in some way. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it's recoverable. Sometimes it's not. You have to be very careful with it. You know? And, and the end result has been I have four days a week where I see two clients a day. Mm-hmm. I have time blocks for that. On Tuesdays, I do the podcast, and on Tuesday afternoon, I do other stuff. I go to the doctor, I do admin work, I go to the dentist, <laughs> you know what? Yeah. I go make a donation run, whatever I have to do that is sort of um, not client facing. And um, I will give away some of my Saturdays and Sundays for work. But I've learned to, if I block somebody on Saturday, then I need to go and block mm-hmm. Sunday so nobody else accidentally. Yep schedules it against my will so that I have a regular day off like in busy Mm -hmm. season it's harder but I try to make sure that you know every week every couple weeks I get a full day off where I'm not required to do client work and that's the only way that I can sustain and -hmm. still get to do what I love to do every day I was uh, I was very proud of my tattoo artist Um, you know tattoo artists are all basically independent contractors and if they don't work they Mm -hmm. don't get paid right Um, you know, but now that now that she and her husband own their own shop and they have a little more flexibility, she's like, I'm just that is my day off every week. And I'm like, good for you. You've needed to do that for a couple of years. You know, um, people don't and realize her work how is it, better for it. Right. Like, you know, oh, that her work product is better for it. Well, considering it involves poking me with needles at high speed for hours on end. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want that person to get sleepier off their game, right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's hilarious. <laughs> How funny. But, but her work is, is phenomenal. So, oh, right. Yeah. I see that. It's yeah, beautiful. No. Yeah. That's quite um, lovely. And we're not done yet. So. Oh, you have more well, to do? Uh, we've been at this since 2003. We've got, um, uh, currently, um, sock, ankle to knee on both legs. We're finishing off shoulder to wrist on my left arm. We've already finished up pretty much my right arm. And then we're trying to figure out what to do next. Is it going to be my back? It may be time to do my back. Oh my goodness. I want her rested. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. You know, if she slips, that mistake is there forever. Yeah, so. then she just has to do something on top of it to fix it. Yep. She's oh my goodness. Half of her half of her job is cleaning up her uh you know, cleaning up her <laughs> old tattoos from people and making them. Right, clean. right. Yeah. And that actually kind of leaves me with with the next bit of advice um you know don't get a tattoo if uh if you're not prepared to look at it for a very long time um <laughs> but uh, uh more importantly um like what's the best advice um you've either been given and or maybe you would give someone else so the first one that came to mind was learn to say no oh my god yes when you are a new new person in business, you're self-employed, you're starving to death, you take anything, you do anything, you go anywhere. Even in that situation, there are things that you should say no to and you should mm-hmm. learn to say no. And I offer a product, I offer a service, and I am willing to do it in this manner. Mm-hmm. I'm not willing to do these things and I hold that line. And if I'm not the organizer for you, there's a whole bunch of other people out there that can do it. And um, please um, thank you so much for inquiring about my business. Like I just have to work with the people that I feel comfortable with. I do the process that I'm um, trained to do. And Mm -hmm. if that doesn't work for somebody, that's cool. And, and when they start wanting to shift, change, move, what let's can you charge me less? Can I get a discount? Can you come and work tonight from seven to ten? No, no, I can't. No, I can't come on Sunday at four. No, I'm sorry you're having an emergency. But today is my day off. I, yep. You know, you have you are the only person that's going to take care of you. And I have learned to say no with a smile and um, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I'm not available for that. And also, yep. as a woman, we think we have to say no and then explain it so people understand and get on board with our no. Right. And I have I've learned that. Um, yep. don't need to do that. <laughs> I just need to say, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not available for that. I'm sorry. No, I don't have any free time there. I can't. No. Just and I can be lying through my teeth, but it is my <laughs> job to protect my boundaries. And I have learned to say no. And yes. it's a good thing to know. It's a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. somebody will want to take advantage of you way past what you are willing to give. And if you keep oh, saying yeah. yes, you will give up more than you ever intended. And so that was a good yeah. piece of advice. I heard it early. I didn't believe it. I learned it the hard <laughs> way. And um, now I'm a big advocate of know when to say no, man. Yeah. I think everybody learns it the hard way. Right. They have to suffer in some way. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's totally true. That was the the first one. Then the the second one was, um, Mm -hmm. we talked about earlier, setting my life up the night before. Yeah. Making sure that I know who I'm seeing the next day, where they are, what kind of time Mm -hmm. I need to get there, um, understanding what my day is going to cover while before I go to bed. Uh, and not try to figure it out in the morning because I will be at diminished capacity in the morning and it will be much, much harder for me to figure it out. <laughs> and even if I'm dragging myself to bed, 
mm-hmm. I'll still be better able to understand what I'm looking at than I will in the morning when I wake up. So mm-hmm. um, that was a good advice, too. And I'll say one more thing. Yeah. Um, three years in, I was working half time. I was working on my previous job as an accountant and working as an organizer half time. And I had a friend who kept saying to me, when are you going to quit your job? When are you going to quit your job? When are you going to quit your job? <laughs> and I finally quit my job. And she and she said, okay, this is what you need to know. When you when they ask you how much it costs and you say an amount and you don't cringe inside while you're saying it, you're not charging enough. <laughs> and I thought she was the craziest person. I was like, that you come on. Like, I didn't believe that. But I have since come to learn. And I luckily I learned it earlier rather than later. Women um, undervalue our services. We don't have the confidence to command or expect that the skills that we provide are worth money and we talk ourselves out of money all the time and we feel bad about asking for money, which is silly. So that internal marker of this is what my service costs and smiling. And if you feel uncomfortable about it, then you're asking for enough money. (laughs) You say it. And if it makes you cringe inside, you finally are charging the right price. So this is this is like a lesson I'm going to take to Ursula, because obviously she was an artist before she was an author. Oh, and artists and, routinely undervalue themselves. Right. And so everybody, I mean, people who are buying prints or originals at art shows or uh, other artists are like, you charge too little. You charge too little. And now I'm going to say, OK, look, next time. We're at a convention where she's exhibiting originals in an art show. I'm going to look at her and say, okay, does that price make you cringe? Because inside. if it doesn't does make it you make cringe, you yeah. Yeah, if it doesn't make you cringe inside, it's too low. So. And, and, and the reason I say that is because that cringe is a woman's internal filter where she feels bad about it. And that <laughs> difference between where a woman cringes and what she really should be charging is, mm-hmm. you know, how she gets equal to a male. There you go. Right? Like, you're just, that cringe factor is just you pushing yourself up to earn what a what a man would be able to comfortably ask for with their own sense of confidence and chutzpah about it. Right? Right. We don't come with that chutzpah. We kind of come with that chutzpah bred out of us. We get talked out of it. Like, we're supposed to not value it and ask for less and, and be embarrassed to ask. And the only way you can learn to do it differently and to trust yourself is to go, I'm going to smile and say this number and inside I'm dying, but I'm going to say it anyway. And that's how you know that you're pushing the boundary of what you're trained to accept. And it's it's very interesting. I mean. All right, I have to. Here's the disclaimer, folks. You need to hear this as a cisgendered white male in the technology field oh my god right like you can demand millions of dollars and i have had to learn to stick up for and have the backs of my coworkers who are female who are technical but maybe shoved into the you you know this person is higher, is much more skilled than I am. They deserve the promotion that you're talking about giving to me. You know, this, uh, this person is deserving of the award, uh, is, you know, 
and and having to you know do my little part to lift them up and it just it hurts to think that you know like to know that there is that gap in people who are doing the exact same job as I am who are undervalued just because of their gender. Right. And you know it's interesting because organizing is a very female centric mm-hmm. um, business. It is very heavily skewed to women, partially because it's a helping profession. You know, uh, we're out there providing service to a lot of women, too. And mm-hmm. it's even in that environment where most of it's mostly women. The men that come into it often charge more than we do. <laughs> and it's just yeah. it's just how we get culturally wired and mm-hmm. trying to fight against that all the time. I think it's really, really important. And, you know, on behalf of women, let me say thanks for having the backs of people in your industry in particular. Mm-hmm. You know, when you hear well, all the origin tales about inf- information IT. Yeah. And there were so many women at the table when it started and they all got pushed out. And it's, it's yeah. sad. Yeah. No. Um, and that's it's not the only industry that has that problem. Yes, that's exactly um, true. It's, it's just the one the spotlight is on right now. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, this goes all the way back to, you know, the 1800s with, um, you know, Ada Lovelace and, and Charles Babbage, both the, the parents of modern computing, um, but so often Ada Lovelace got overlooked. Right, right? exactly. So. 100%. Um, so that was a, that was yeah. good advice that she gave me at the time. And I remember thinking, yep. oh, God, I could never do that. But I learned to do it. I did <laughs> it. And I am, you know, a thousand times better for it and grateful because I feel a confidence that comes from having said it, even though I was dying inside to say it and getting <laughs> it right? right. Like I've had people say I can't pay that. It's like, OK, that client is not for me. That's fine. There's another organizer yeah. out there for you. This is what my time is worth. This is what I charge. And the people that go yes without blinking are my exact right clients. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've learned that it's I do provide a service that is valuable to them and they're willing to pay for it. And I don't need to cringe. And so I do have yeah. a, a much better confidence now than when I started out about it. And it was a good thing to learn. Mm-hmm. Other women should learn it. <laughs> <laughs> I pass it on to you. Yeah, yeah. You hear that, everybody who's listening? Right? Take that one. Absolutely. <laughs> if you take nothing else out of this interview, take that one. Um, oh, that's funny. You know, I'm I'm also kind of curious. This is now, now it's a little off track. I'm, I'm kind of curious, but it sort of works in with the next one. Um, have you had to fire clients? Do you find that difficult? Yes, I do find it difficult, but usually it's because. They come for an organizer and they don't quite understand what an organizer is going to do. Mm-hmm. They don't have a clear idea about what they're going to do. And they think it's going to be like it's on the television. Oh, dear. So that uh, we're going to descend. You're going to go on vacation and come back and the house is going to be all organized. It's like, no, that's not really. No, no, that's not what we're doing here. Or they think that they're going to interact with me like they do with the maid and pay me, go sit in another part of the house oh, and have no. me work and then come back and see the results. 
And um, there are some people that will provide that service like they're okay. They would rather be left alone to organize it without intervention. But I find that it works better if I get feedback from the client about what's important to them, what works for them. Mm -hmm. Is the left side better than the right side? Is this too tall Mm -hmm. or too short? That um, constant feedback from the client, I think, makes for a better end result. And so if the customer doesn't want to actively engage in the process, then they're not my client, basically. I guess that is great. That is fantastic. That is customer service the way it's supposed to be done. Because you're, you're not there just to do it for them. And I'm, there are people to do that, but you're, you're there to help them be better about it just in general. Not, it's not because it's not a one time thing. Right. Like and I, and I want to try to yeah. transfer skills. Right. I want to mm-hmm. try to teach people. You can think about it this way. You can change your habit that way. You can uh, put this system in and it will improve how you live your life. And there's things that I can suggest that might make it work better for them. Yeah. And oh, yeah. I want that opportunity. Right. Huh. Yeah. So I have had yeah. to fire some clients. Um, not very many. And usually what happens is we sort of mutually agree. Agree. We mutually don't have a good experience and yeah, then yeah. they don't rebook me like they solve the problem <laughs> by not rebooking me. And right. that's a good signal to me because almost all of my clients rebook me multiple times over and over. And so if you don't rebook me, then that just means we're not a match. Thank you. Go with God. I send you on your way to find the next person. And, you know, don't take that personally. Um, I, I've been lucky, though. I've had, I know friends who have had. Um, because their clients were super distressed or in a bad situation, they've gotten in yelled at, threatened. Mm-hmm. Like there's been some situations where people, you know, you show up to do an organizing project and you kind of walk into a fight or you walk into some chaos and yeah. And then get sort of chased back out again. <laughs> there's, <laughs> I did have a client wow. one time who, um, she got in a fight with her daughter and they were yelling on the phone and, and all of a sudden in the middle, I heard, I'm coming over to beat your ass. And then I heard stomp, 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 slam. And she left the apartment to go to her daughter's house to get in an <laughs> argument with her while I was standing there working in her room. <laughs> like, oh, my God, that was OK. I did not. Ex- really? you know, she eventually came back when the appointment time was over. She was back before the appointment time was over. And I was starting to go, well, I guess I'm leaving without getting paid today. And then you know, <laughs> she came back and she was like, you should probably go. And I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, I was waiting to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I did not hear it. Ultimately, I heard from her later, but I didn't hear from her for like a year and a half after that. Like, <laughs> I think she was embarrassed. And yeah, it that was. Is- like, yeah, I don't really want possibly, to be around you right now. <laughs> yeah. One of the that is possibly one of the, the most South Texas things I've ever heard. I know, I just... right? It was so hilarious. And, you know, it was it was around a wedding. So, I mean, the, oh. woman was, the mother was being bridezilla. And there was it was around all that stress of we're getting mm-hmm. married and the and the wedding is four weeks away or whatever. And there was some wedding stuff uh, erupting. Oh, yeah. And and I was like, oh, my God, I have met Bridezilla. I, you know, <laughs> I, I know they exist, but I have now just seen it in action. This could have been a reality TV show right here. It wow. was it was terrifying. <laughs> it was really it was very terrifying. 
And, you know, I was happy to go home at the end of the day and call my mother and go, oh, my God, mother, you would not believe what just happened. Well, yes. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> yes, fire, fire right. plants. It happens. <laughs> yes. So that that brings us. We I, I we have two the two the last two questions that are like part of the official thing. And then we'll talk about your charity and also what you, you know, how to get in touch with you and all that stuff. OK. Um, so the first one is what uh, I, the sad but often easy to answer question, and that is, um, how do you deal with failure when you miss a goal? So I'm a big talker, which is why I like doing the podcast, why the podcast works for me. I've always been a speaker. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that involves processing out loud with people. I deal with yep. failure by talking it out, sharing it with somebody trusted. What, what, how did I fail here? What was my part and what was somebody else's part? What could I have done differently? And that mm-hmm. requires a conversation for me. Journaling, it makes me insane. I am terrible <laughs> at it. I can be forced to do it, but it doesn't solve, it doesn't help me. Right. I need to say it out loud and then things fly out of my mouth that I not even know are in my head. Mm-hmm. And I end up learning really important things by being in conversation with people. And so um, I seek out process time with people that I trust. And if yeah, it's really bad, I see a therapist and talk about it there. There you go. Therapists are underrated. Right. Uh, you know, it's a it's a useful thing to have. I I love the lady that is available to me. And when I need support. I know I can get good advice and support there and and yeah. and can get a good perspective on what was going on. Mm-hmm. And if I'm really off the rails, if I really feel like something went completely awry, that's where I go to get back on track. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That uh, and, you know, you always got to hug the cats. Oh, yeah. Uh, now that the brothers are on my desk, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Yeah, if I can seen... see them in the background. Yeah. Yeah. They, well. Yeah, because Hobbs and Char just back and forth, and uh, and Cammy, who is the only girl cat in the house, is asleep in the heated, the heat, self-heating cat bed by the window. This is her heaven, as far as I can Aww. tell. Um, <laughs> and I don't see Sergio anywhere, and if he were here, he'd be throwing things off the walls because that's what he right, does. Right, that's his thing. Um, that yes, yes, he's very cranky. All right, other side of the coin. The happy question, but often difficult for people, surprisingly. Um, do you celebrate your successes, and if so, how? And the answer is a flip side of the same thing. I do <laughs> like to tell my friends when something wonderful has happened, and I like to share it with my family. So mm-hmm. I will end up calling them to say, hey, guess what? We went over 19,000 subscribers today. You know. I can say yeah, those yeah. kinds of things and and get a little moment of hurrah, and I find that super supportive to call my friends and talk about it, to share it with people. Mm-hmm. Um, occasionally, I'll throw a post out there and say, oh, look, da, 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 and get some feedback that way. Um, the other thing is uh, it, it, I can dovetail that with um, self-care in that ah, yes. if I um, – I will go take a little trip, go get a massage, go do things that are in reward for accomplishing 
being successful. I am. I like to do that too. Maybe get those those really fancy beads instead of the ones you were going to buy. Maybe you yes. know, splurge a little bit. Oh my God! Yes, one hundred percent. You know, I'm surfing at night looking at those beads, <laughs> trying to find the more expensive one. Totally. That's, yeah, for for me, it's it's usually like the uh, the pen shop websites it's like oh man i just finished that big project and it was a big success at work and i deserve that nice fountain pen right there that right tell my wife how much it costs <laughs> <laughs> right right but you do want to tie it to something you know yeah some expansion right and so mm-hmm. yeah i do that totally yep for me it's all about sharing time with my friends and and I find that, you know, the friends are supportive when you're down. They're uh, they're mm-hmm. celebrate with you when something good happens, and it's and it's rejuvenating and recuperating from a long hard day or a really successful win. And it works in both ways. So I sort of get it out there with chat and interaction with people. Yep. Yeah, boy, it's been a it's it's been difficult the last couple of years for those of us who are a little more social. But yes. Yeah, it has been difficult. And we did Zoom. Um, we did beating on Zoom uh, right after the pandemic started. One of my friends was like, we can't meet together because, you know, nobody wants to kill yeah. anybody. But uh-huh. let's get online. And we found that it was perfectly fine for us to sit on Zoom and have five or eight or ten of us sitting there beating together in our own spaces and still able to talk and show people things and you know, chat yeah. about projects. And that was super, it was a good substitute that um, we would have really been stressed out if we hadn't been able to do. It was very helpful. Yeah. Doom saved I, our creative lives. <laughs> <laughs> and I know there's, uh, I have several friends who have been watching, like they're, we, we would play board games at their house. And now there's all of these tools where we can play those same board games um, online and have these same oh. chat sort of things going on, but not, but not, be you know right there in somebody else's face kind of thing where you know um that's cool i yeah. have tried to do a board game that way yeah interesting i mean these are the these are these are not like your monopoly or, or any right 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 are, yeah you know, you know um although we none of us want to play pandemic the game pandemic right now we're all a little gun shy about that one like yeah yeah let's just leave that one in the box let's yeah exactly that out. exactly <laughs> um, <laughs> That's hilarious. So where do we f- tell me more about the clutter fairy and where we can find out more about you online. Okay. So the clutter fairy is at clutterfairyhouston.com, And mm-hmm. there's also a YouTube channel under my name, Gail Goddard. And if you go to cfhou.com slash YouTube, it'll point you straight to our channel. Uh, there's probably 200 videos out there right now. Uh, most of them around an hour in length of me talking about organizing from all kinds of uh, directions. So there's always something in there for you to find. Uh, the podcast is on a whole bunch of podcast platforms. Oh yeah. Uh, find it anywhere. And, and you can listen in your favorite place, except mm-hmm. Spotify. We're not on Spotify, but we're on all the others. So. Yeah, I need to go get this one off of off of Spotify. I already canceled my personal subscription and said no, you may not have my money so anymore. So yeah, no, I'm with you on that one. And um what else? 
podcast, um, webcast, web, uh, website. I have a Facebook page. I have an Instagram page, but I'm not as you know active there. Uh, I'm yeah. I'm a little. I'm not the. I'm a little older than than that. So <laughs> Instagram is a step. For me. I'm doing good to do Facebook and YouTube, and that's you know. Yeah. That's me. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's where you can find me. And everything is linked off of the website. And if you want to book an appointment with me, there, it's a, there's an online schedule on the website. You can uh, link out to all of our um, videos off of mm-hmm. the website. And so er, the podcast, you can listen to the podcast through the website. So it's all out there to be had on the website. Butterfreehouston.com. Yep. And, and then, I need to give a shout out to um, uh, napo.com, N-A-P-O.com. If mm-hmm. I'm not in your area and you want an organizer in your area, then you want a professional organizer who follows a code of ethics and is actively training themselves to do better. And Napo yeah. dot, Napo.net, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's Napo.net, N-A-P-O.net. Oh, my gosh, I'm in trouble. Napo.net. <laughs> um, you can search for a zip, uh, an organizer by your zip code. So you can go in and find and click the button, find a pro. And then you can search by your zip code and find people that are members yeah. of NAPO in your area to come and help you organize in your space if you need somebody. Yeah. And it's it's always good to have an organization like that behind it doing certifications and making sure that everybody's on the up and up because it's really easy to go out on the Internet and say, hey, I'm a professional organizer working in your town. And maybe they're not on the up and up. So Right. Exactly. Yep. So you want somebody that is um, willing to sign an ethical clause and pay attention to that. And so. Yes. Get your organizer at napo.net. And then um, a last thing, last thing um, we talked a little bit about before this. Um, uh, we don't need money. We've we're very open about the fact that we're we're in a good space right now. And That's we would awesome. rather our listeners take what they would give to us in Patreon or Kofi or whatever and give it to somebody who needs it more than we do. Um, so who would you like our um, listeners to give to this time around? My chosen charity is donorschoose.org. This is a platform where you get to go and support teachers in classrooms and projects that they're trying to accomplish for their own classrooms. So uh, it is. Any teacher that wants a project funded can go in and create a project and put it up on donorschoose.org. And then you can go in and search by location, by topic, Mm -hmm. by zip code, by, you know, I'm into science and I want to look at science projects. You can sort those available projects a million ways from Sunday and find exactly Mm -hmm. what you think is cool and interesting and um, and then donate to a specific teacher. And what Donors Choose does is. They receive the project, they vet the project, um, and the mm-hmm. the teacher lists what they want to buy and right. prices, and they go and and verify that that's all good data and those products. They list those products, and so mm-hmm. you know that somebody has checked their list and that what they're trying to buy is real and costs that right. amount of money. And then um, people can donate and hopefully fund that teacher's project and then Donors Choose gives them the money. And so it is a great way to support classrooms and kids and schools that are low income and people that are struggling to provide what they need in their classrooms. And you can make a direct impact to an exact room, an exact teacher, an exact set of classes. And 
I find that I go back to them over and over again and give to various projects because I just love going, oh, yeah, I can fund that art project, ka-ching, and off it yeah. goes. And they're thrilled yeah. to death. And so um, I would love for you to go and donate at donorschoose.org. You know, and uh, as as uh, as a parent, as someone who has, you know, obviously both my boys are, are out now. They are mm-hmm. grown up and out. But, you know, and seeing um, how much teachers struggle for things beyond the basics and sometimes even on the basics. One, this is a fantastic thing. Um, two, it's a crying shame that this sort of thing is necessary. It should not be necessary. Right, that we had to create right. an entire platform because the mm-hmm. schools couldn't give the teachers budgets to work with for reasonable things. And that's why it's so much fun well, to me because they want to improve that classroom. They're trying to benefit their kids, and you can yeah. help. I, I I would go so far as to say it's the General Assembly of the state of North Carolina around here that's the problem, but uh, <laughs> that's neither here nor there, right? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, I've had a lot of fun and yep. picked places. I've picked schools that were near my house. Okay. I've picked. I've concentrated on art teachers because I um, think that art is underfunded, and I really like to support the arts. Yep. And so I end up, you know, basically supporting some art project that a teacher's trying to do in her classroom, and I really love doing that. Yeah, and uh, art and music are possibly the the most underfunded things, and it, it breaks my heart because at least you know when. <clears throat> 40 some years ago when I was in grade school, um, <laughs> we still had those opportunities and, uh, and yeah. there was, you know, uh, it wasn't like now where it's like if a classroom wants paint, they have to have a parent donate it. Right. There, there was, right? there was still room for that then. So, um, and it, well, it, it is so low income heart. where mm-hmm. the kids, you know, the teacher wants the, the kids to bring an egg carton to do a little craft in elementary yeah. school, except that the parents don't have eggs at home so that they, they, they can't guarantee to provide the egg carton and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. That means that the school oh. probably doesn't have the funding either. And I yeah. can pay to let the teacher have art supplies to do something and, and relieve the parents from the stress of, I can't provide an egg carton to my, for my kid. You know, it's, you, it's, you... <laughs> Do they need egg cartons? Because I'm going to tell you right now, I I have egg cartons. (laughs) (laughs) Egg cartons are the universal craft supply in elementary schools. They use them for everything. (laughs) If you have a bunch of them, you can send them on to an art teacher somewhere, and they will be thrilled to death. They're they're ten cents each at the at the feed store. I mean, I don't know. Right? You know, everybody's like everybody's like, well, we have to go, and it's from this art supply. And I'm like, I can buy a gross. Of these things at like five cents each in bulk over here at the feed store, I right. yeah, um, and popsicle sticks. You cannot do art in grade without school without popsicle, popsicle sticks. It's totally true. <laughs> oh my god, that's so true. <laughs> Universal building material, right? That's right. That's right. Well, that's um, why I like to support them. Thank you for letting mm-hmm. me uh, offer that as an option because oh, yeah. I think it would yeah. be really helpful. Anybody that wants to jump on board, come and play with me in DonorsChoose.org. Thank you so much. This has been a blast. No, oh, thank you. I'm so yeah. glad. I know I'm not your typical um, your typical guest, but I appreciate being here and being asked <laughs> to 
participate by, and actually it was somebody that listens to your podcast and mine that mm-hmm. suggested that I come and talk to you. And so I really yeah. appreciate that. Um, appreciate the uh, referral. So yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, it's been a lot of fun. And if you ever want to come back, just say the word, we'll make it happen. Awesome. That'd be wonderful. Yeah. I appreciate it. Uh, and then uh, for the people at home, we'll be right back after this. Um, I always have a heartfelt moment where I'm like, if you want to come back, just say the word. And I really meant that with Gail because it was so great. Gail, anytime. Um, and I think it was just awesome that you took the time out to talk to us. And, uh, yeah, no, all that was, uh, fantastic and a lot of fun. And I hope everybody out there enjoyed it as much as I did. Hi, Orange Cat. Please don't step on my Remarkable because I, I need it to be able to look at notes. Um, and the first thing I have here on the notes is our word for this week, which is clutter fairy with no spaces. I figured it was only appropriate. You, you, right. you really kind of saw that one coming. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, you go to productivityalchemy.com. You click on there's a little box where you can put in a badge code. That's what we're doing here is the badge code. You type in clutter fairy with no space and uh, and ta-da, you get a badge and you can find out about the badges and more about them, what they are, how you collect them. And uh, if it's something you want to do, you can find that out at productivityalchemy.com. It's a collection that will not generate any clutter in your home. That's correct. And uh, also does not cause uh, an increase in greenhouse gases just by existing. For example. For example. The other thing you can do there is you can, I don't know, look at old episodes, listen to old episodes, subscribe on your favorite podcast listener, or you can click that support button. Which will take you to a ways to support us. Don't do that. Don't. Yes. No. No. One of these days I'm, I'm going to get in there in my copious free time and uh, create a new page that is, here are places to give your money instead of to us. Yes. And... This week, the uh, place that we suggest giving your money. Yes, actually, Gail suggested giving your money, but oh. I, I support this wholeheartedly is donorschoose.org. This is uh, a place where you essentially fund classrooms. Yes, and, and uh, teachers will get on and say, hey, I really need, you know, uh, X number, uh, like, uh, a hundred bucks to buy construction paper and scissors for yes. the classroom or all, you know, all the way up to, uh, uh, we need books. We need, I mean, if, if you don't happen to know a school teacher or know this, the amount of money teachers pay out of pocket for school supplies is vast. Oh, it's huge. And it's insane. on a salary that is already just yeah. pitiful. And, uh, so, uh, yeah, we can help. 
Like, yeah. Yes, obviously the primary thing is that teachers should get higher wages and whatnot, but in the meantime, since we do not live in that perfect world, you can help teachers get the stuff they oh, need yeah. for their classrooms, and Donors Choose is great. You can uh, pick a classroom near you. You can pick one across the country, whatever you want to do. Yes. And uh, so, yeah, no, go give them money. Teachers are possibly one of our most important professions and our least respected and for whatever reason our most under one of our most underpaid and that's a fucking travesty so anything you can do to help is great um yeah yes so uh so that's it for this week um as a reminder we're off next week i'm taking a break i'm going to spend time vacationing in a vacation land and we will be talking about that i guess the week after um so when we come back for episode 242 in two weeks it'll be a letter show and then unless something strange and unforeseen happens in which case uh we'll get back to you as soon as we can um, yes if we have not caught fire or yeah. leprosy or uh, the dogs exploded, or whatever, or, or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, that's the that's the the current. Sorry, plan. I'm just in the anxiety stage where I feel like we should really hedge our bets. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, so anyway, that's that's it for this week. Everybody, do yourself a favor. Do your best to uh, not be anxious and uh, stay productive. I'm gonna go write angry letters to Microsoft. All right. No. Go play. Go play more Horizon Forbidden West. Go escape into a world where you don't have to deal with that. I'm just about to come up on finding out where Ted Farrow died, so that'll make me feel better. There you go. Yes. Find find the corpse of Ted Farrow and make his skull into, like, a poltroon and wear it on your shoulder forever as a reminder of your superiority. Uh, no? I, I was just going to, like, dropkick it a few times but that's certainly dramatic did they, did they have the option of piddling on a corpse in uh no they 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 that it's it's not that kind of game and also the protagonist is female and i and and yes you absolutely can yeah but it you you have to like look just stay productive people we'll talk to you later